Amen, and may it be so. It's so great to be here. I'm calling this Easter Sunday Take Two. I decided to wear the same outfit just to remind us. I'm wearing my Easter outfit. We've got our Easter attitude. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And that wasn't just for last week. That wasn't just some idea, kind of of a blissful heaven after death. There is resurrected life before death. That's today's message. We're going to look at what the Apostle Paul teaches about the resurrection, and we're going to start a new sermon series. It's called, Thank God It's Tuesday, TGIF. No, no, it's not TGIF. It's TGIT. Who says that? Thank God it's Tuesday? Well, we're going to start saying that because God's kingdom is for wherever we are, whatever day of the week it is, not just on Sundays. What are you going to be up to on Tuesday? Are you going to be in school, in meetings, in the kitchen, at your office, in your car? God wants to be in the midst of your Tuesday. Knowing that our Tuesdays matter to God can make our weeks more fulfilling, exciting, more of an adventure. Why Tuesday, you might ask? Well, Tuesday, it's the most sensible, no-fuss day of the week. They say if you want someone to come to a meeting, make the meeting on Tuesday. Monday has that heavy job of shouldering the blame for the whole world's bad mood. Wednesday kind of cheers us up like with a halfway banner, right? Thursday, I think it has the best TV on Thursday night. But aside from that, there's, it's like a bright green arrow pointing to the weekend. But Tuesday, it's sort of ordinary. No one says, thank God it's Tuesday, until now. What would happen if we looked at our day like God views it? It's not what we do to make a living, but what do we do to make a life? N.T. Wright, a theologian of our day, says, we are not saved as souls, but as wholes, and not for ourselves alone, but for what God longs to do through each of us. In the book of 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is theologizing about a lot of important things. He's really shaping the church's first thinking about the Lord's Supper. What do we say, the words that we say at the Lord's Supper? What about the body of Christ? Who's in, who's out? What about spiritual gifts? Which one's the better ones? Which ones are, are only okay? And are some people, because they have some gifts, better than other people? Or is the whole body of Christ sort of created equal? And he's going through all of this, and then he gets to the resurrection. Well, what about the resurrection? Is it our bodies, or is it our spirits? It's in fact, in the end, Christians will be raised not only in spirit, but mysteriously somehow with new bodies. Paul's starting to talk about how physical reality matters. God redeems matter itself. Matter matters. Now, over the centuries, we've kind of gotten detached where it's somehow like your spirit and what you think matters, but who you actually are in the flesh doesn't matter. It does. It actually does matter. Friends, what if being a Christian wasn't just an idea of a threshold that we crossed over, but it was a way of living, a way of being in the world? What if Christians in their bodies were the healthiest people around? 
There would not only be revival, but we could solve the healthcare reform crisis. Wouldn't that be great? What if, that's, as though, that's what Paul's saying kind of throughout the whole book of 1 Corinthians, what if, what if love ruled over all? What if, and he's thinking all these thoughts and inviting us to think these thoughts, and then he drives it home with a therefore. Therefore, my beloved, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the work of the Lord, because you know that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Jesus Christ is risen. Therefore, God's new world has begun. Therefore, the world has been redeemed. The other day, my family and I went to see the tulips up at La Conner. Oh my goodness, you can impress your parents by taking them to see the tulips. It was like stepping into another world, and in order to step into this kind of special tulip garden where you could see the A to Z varieties of tulips, you get a little stamp on your hand, and that's going to get you into any tulip field that you want to look at. And you want to go into that tulip universe. You maybe want to step out and get something to eat, but then you want to step back in again. That's how God is inviting us into this kingdom. It's like we get this stamp saying you are a new creation in Jesus Christ. You're part of what I'm doing in the world. Therefore, if you're following Jesus, you have a new kind of work to do. And therefore, I'm going to tell you and show you the story of a one woman who lived out this life in her ordinary days. She's a Christian businesswoman, a mom who was watching her daughter in a sport. Last year, it happened to be the Boston Marathon when God nudged her into a bigger story. Please take a look. They were two strangers who met in a moment of terror at the finish line. Erica was gravely wounded in the bombing, losing one leg and breaking another. As she lay on the sidewalk in agony, she remembers this woman in the yellow sweater with the brown hair coming out of nowhere to help her. And I had a, a conversation in my head with God and I told him I wasn't ready to go. And it was almost instantaneously, she had heard my thoughts, this woman kind of crawled over to me. And she grabbed my hand and she could hear, she had heard me screaming for help. And she said, my name is Joan from California and I'm not going to let you go. And she stayed with me the whole time. This young woman was in the hospital for, I think, 50 days and she's just completed a rehab and is going back to being a preschool teacher. But that might not have happened had this other woman, they had their names wrong, the one thought her name was Eileen and it was Elaine and Joan and it was actually Amanda. Well, it was in the midst of her own shock and fears that God invited Amanda North to literally hold on to the hope of redemption by actually holding Elaine's hand. This wasn't a pre-planned act of service, it was a Christian in the moment responding to the circumstances around her responding to God's nudge, not just thinking about her own hearing loss and the chaos and wondering where her own daughter was, but hearing someone cry out and moving toward her. Her belt was used as a tourniquet, and her hand was the hand of God saving a life. Follow these nudges of God and be steadfast. That's what Paul's talking about. In Amanda North's action, we are reminded that every act of love, every deed done in Christ and by the Spirit, every work of true creativity is an earthly event in a long history of things that implement Jesus' own resurrection. 
we implement the resurrection. Isn't that kind of an exciting assignment? And we anticipate the final new creation. But these are sort of signposts of hope. Doesn't your heart lift when you hear that story? Because on this ordinary day, like your everyday Tuesday, God invited Amanda and invites us to learn how to be human, how to be Easter people living out the resurrection life. Let's take a closer look now at Amanda's faith journey as she was interviewed at her home church, which is Menlo Park Presbyterian. Um, I grew up in New York and I attended an Episcopal church, but it never really resonated with me. And so there were many years through high school and college that I didn't go to church at all. And then I came out here to go to business school at a university near here and later worked at Apple Computer. And I think by all accounts, I was living the life. I mean, I had a great job, great friends, lived in a beautiful place, but something was missing and I just wasn't really happy. And I remember talking to a friend of mine about this and he said, do you believe in God? And I said, well, you know, that presence in the universe thing. And he said, no, I mean, Jesus Christ. And I said, Mm, not, not really. And he said, well, do this for me. Over the next couple days, just suspend disbelief. Try to believe in God and see what happens to you. So a day or two later, I found myself at home, alone, sad, empty, and I called out to God. And I didn't know what I was saying or who I was calling to. But a moment later, I felt a presence. I felt a warm, loving God fill me up and at peace, and that presence has never left me since. A couple days after that, I had actually broken a finger, so I went to see a sports doctor in Palo Alto, who, as it turns out, was a member of this community, and uh, he said, well, I can fix your finger, but it seems to me that there's something else going on here, and he said, I see this all the time in Silicon Valley. It's spiritual malaise. And he said, you know, I'm gonna ask you to do something. I think you should go to Menlo Park Presbyterian Church. <laughs> he said, that's my prescription for you. And I thought that was a little strange for a doctor to yeah. be saying that. Yeah. But he's the doc, so I decided to come here, and I've been coming here for 25 years. Did you notice that God spoke to her through Christians just living out their ordinary days in what I would say is kind of a brave way? Her friend responded to a nudge, and and took a risk and brought up Jesus into the scene of their conversation instead of just watching as Amanda wandered through life. What do you think of that approach? I found it kind of thoughtful, gracious. It was bold and yet gentle. It was an everyday act of getting off the sidelines. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to get off the sidelines. That's what Paul means when he says excel. He doesn't mean get an A. He means keep going. Keep doing what's the right thing to do. Keep do taking a risk. Keep saying what God nudges you to say. It's as God designed us to be co-laborers with him, what he wants to do in this world through us, with others, kind of like a team redeeming all things. It's a collective project. It's as though we're all on God's team, a collective project in the Lord. These are not works in the Lord, like good missionary things. Those are wonderful things. But it doesn't have to carry a label in the Lord. Because if you are in the Lord, if you are a resurrected people, 
then the things that God gives you to do, those are in the Lord. Those are resurrected person kind of opportunities. So we're on God's team. He wants us all in the starting lineup. This past Monday was the 2014 Boston Marathon. The city shut down and came out to celebrate. All along the streets, people were cheering with, cheering with signs and, and shouts and encouraging the runners. The most popular sign was one called Boston Strong, and it represents this community coming together. N.T. Wright, who is a contemporary theologian, one of my favorites, um, has a whole book, I would say, on this topic. And I would encourage you, if you're wondering about the resurrection, have a look at this book called Surprised by Hope. It's not an easy read, but I want to give him credit for the multiple quotes in this sermon. And here comes one. This world is where real people, where real communities happen, where difficult decisions are made, where schools and hospitals bear witness to the now and already of the gospel, while police and prisons bear witness to the not yet. It's why we need this community, because the weak and vulnerable always need protecting. Social and political structures are part of the creator's design, and the church that is renewed by the message of Jesus' resurrection must be the church that goes to work precisely in that space and claims it in advance as the place of God's kingdom, of Jesus' lordship, of the power of the Spirit. Imagine a place like that. Scott Dudley's preaching advice is that every time you quote a theologian, you should tell a sports analogy. So here comes. <laughs> and Scott's preference is baseball, so this just proves really convenient for me here. Boston Red Sox heavy hitter David Ortiz gave a rousing speech last year after the Boston Marathon tragedy. And recently he said, if I had to make a speech this year on Patriots Day, I'd say God continue to bless America, to see a city and a country stick together after a horrible event, to recover as quickly as we did, well, that's a blessing. There's a baseball player just even using that moment to bring up the word blessing, to remind us that God is at work. What if God were at work not only in tragedy, not only when, when things have come to a halt because something terrible has happened, but in everyday, ordinary life like Tuesdays? This week, signs were all over Boston saying, don't stop and loiter waiting for someday on Monday. How about us? Could we jump in? The counterculture move is to be united, not only in the face of tragedy, but as a common force for good. A few Sundays ago, I saw a guy in the congregation, and he was holding one of these postcards. It's for the men's retreat. And I, could, I just felt like I could see the wheels turning. Plug in, power up. Hmm, should I go to this? Hmm, he didn't quite get out his calendar, but you could just see him thinking. If that was you, go. Go to the men's retreat. Try it. Be a part of the community. See what God does. There's going to be a great speaker there. There are going to be great guys there. And there's going to be a mighty God who wants to do a work at that men's retreat. Go be part of it. What if we were all part of something together with other churches? Seattle's Union Gospel Mission is giving us this unique opportunity, this 40 days after Easter, to pray together. There's like 20 cities coming together 
to pray. And we're invited to pray for our city. If you go online to the UGM site that we put up there, you can click to Bellevue and you can see the concerns of Bellevue. What if throughout the Northwest, Christians were praying for their city councils, for their superintendent of schools, for their hospitals, for their neighborhoods? What if during these 40 days, resurrected life started to permeate the Northwest? Wouldn't it be amazing? UGM invites us to together answer the question, what is God's heart for our city or for the Pacific Northwest? What will your story be in the next 40 days? Bell Press is going to send a reminder note on Tuesdays if you're part of the Bell Press email reminding us to be an Easter people on Tuesdays and giving us a link to this Light Up the City devotional. When the New Testament strikes the Easter bell, the main resonances are not about what future God is going to make when heaven and earth are renewed at last from top to bottom, but rather because the resurrection has happened as an event within our world here and now. Its implications and its effects are to be felt within our world. So let's have some Resurrected Tuesdays in which we realize that we're saved as wholes. Am I saying that even working out could count as kingdom work? Yes, I am. That's what I'm saying. God and working out, they go together. Follow God's nudges and be steadfast. Do what God invites you to do. Say what God invites you to say. Only you can do that. Get off the sidelines. Don't just let it pass you by. Don't say maybe next Easter, this Easter. Do it this Easter. Do it this spring. Do it this week. Always excel. Because we're part of God's collective project. It's in the Lord. These opportunities that we have are opportunities from the Lord. We don't need to walk away from our routines and find something more interesting. More often what we need to do is wake up to our routine. God might be right in the middle of that routine. Hold the minutes of Tuesday morning in your hand. It's our calling to make a life, not just a living. I close with the words of a preacher that we love, Scott Dudley. He blessed us with this prayer on Easter, and I'm going to invite us to say a new refrain together, and it simply goes like this, on Tuesday. Can you practice that? All you have to say is, on Tuesday. Great, we can do this. So I want us to claim the power of Jesus' resurrection. He turns despairing to dancing. Bored to brave and bland to big. On Fearful to ferocious on Tuesday. There's nothing that can hold you back or hold you down. Not even death will stop you because the grave can't hold you. You've got a resurrected life to live Okay, friends, where are you going to be on Tuesday? How many of you are going to go to an office? You're going to go somewhere to an office. Yep. How many of you are going to school? you got to go to school. It's Tuesday. Yep. How many of you think maybe you'll work out? You know, I inspired you. Maybe you're going to go to the club and work out. How many are going to go to Bible study? Some of you. Okay. How many of you are thinking you're going to have breakfast? I highly recommend breakfast. Okay. I'd like to see more of you. Okay. Let's get those hands up in the air. Everybody's hand up. You're going to do something. How many of you are going to get out of bed on Tuesday? Let's hope. Okay. Fabulous. Now, hold your hand out, and I'd like you to kind of, 
almost like pray over the head of the person in front of you, like you're going to give them a blessing. Let's pray together. So, mighty God, I thank you for this gathered community that on Sunday you so fill us up with what is true and real more real and more loving than we could ever ask or imagine. And God, I ask that you would go with each person here, not only today, not only on Monday, but in the midst of their Tuesdays, in the midst of their ordinary week, would you be in their words? Would you nudge them to say a word of truth, a word of love, a word of encouragement? Maybe there's somebody at their school who's sort of isolated. Maybe there's somebody in the office who is kind of a competitor, even an enemy, Lord. Maybe there's somebody who's on our hearts that we just can't forgive. Easter's for everybody else but that person. Lord God, would you work in such a way that we could speak words of truth and of love to those people? Lord God, when there are decisions that we have to make, maybe there are little things, like should we work out today or not? Maybe there are big things. Maybe that person that we're praying for in front of us right now has a big decision to make. They're looking for a job. They have something going on at work that they just can't decide what the right answer is. They're, maybe that's a student and they're just not motivated to finish school this year strong. Lord God, would you give strength to those people? Lord God, maybe there are some in our midst that just get in ourselves here on Sunday with such a challenge. They feel so alone. Would you bring community around that person? And Lord Jesus, would you use each of us to make a difference in our community for your name's sake this Tuesday? We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said together,